Welcome back to Your Average Witch, where we talk about witch life, witch stories, and sometimes a little witchcraft. In this episode, we meet Lilith, the Witch of Colorado. Lilith tells stories about visiting the birthplace of Halloween in Ireland, what it's like to be a seer, and how to raise your kids in a pagan lifestyle. Now let's get to the stories. Well, welcome Lilith to the show. I am glad to have you. Would you please introduce yourself to everybody listening? I'm Lilith, Witch of Colorado on Instagram. Now, we got to know each other because we both lived in Pueblo back when I lived in Colorado, and I was right. excited to find another witch nearby, especially yep. that close, because most people that I, I would think most of them lived up in like the Springs or Denver. Yeah. But we were close, so that was cool. Yeah. I, I, think... I have a lot of nostalgia when you post pictures of the area, and I get sad because <laughs> I miss trees. Well, there isn't very many right where I am. Um, I mean, that's more like around the river in Pueblo, but yeah. What does it mean to you when you call yourself a witch? I would say just that I'm a practitioner of witchcraft. I'm definitely more on the pagan side. I don't consider myself a Wiccan. I'm, I'm more drawn to older things. So I would say actually more like neo-pagan, but the witch label I would say really is just practitioner of witchcraft. How long would you say, do you say you, you've always been one and it just occurred to you or you chose it? Um, hmm. <laughs> I guess I'd say I always was. I didn't really own that label until I was probably about 10 um, but before that, nothing really changed. It was just more of a, a labeling thing. But growing up in Boulder County, it's very forward thinking and accepting of everyone. And that was just really totally normal um, to be kind of dabbling in that lifestyle there. So it's it's really always been a part of my life. Do you have any daily practices that you're willing to share with us? Yes, I'm definitely really into shadow work right now. Um, I have been for quite a while, so I try to keep that as a daily focus, um, just kind of in setting intentions for the day and keeping that really in mind. Um, and divination, I'm huge on divination. I feel like a lot of times with tarot and oracle, I actually prefer oracle, just it's a little more direct, but you can kind of interpret it however you want. So I feel like you're just seeing what you want to see. But a lot of times I do pendulum. And I think even with that, you can almost like kind of make your hand do whatever you want it to do to go a certain direction. So I usually just close my eyes and kind of spin the board around. So I don't know oh. where yes and no and things are. So pendulum is really kind of my go-to, especially if I just need a quick answer on something. That's a cool way. Yeah. I just have enough trouble trying to decipher actual human speech when they're talking directly to me, much less figuring out what the universe wants to tell me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it can be tough. And I don't know, for me, it's kind of, I mean, I take it so seriously. I've, I've had so many pendulum readings and rune readings and Oracle stuff that has, I mean, like literally made me cry because it's oh. just too real and sometimes you you know the answer you don't want to know the answer but then it tells you anyways and you're like well damn Crap. okay 
what kind of how do you put bring shadow work into your daily life if you if if you can share that um lately's been kind of visiting with my little banishing jar i have it in my room so it's kind of something i just take all that bad juju and try to shove it in this jar every day to just kind of get it off of me um i think almost like a cleansing but but i feel like you know having the intention of actually putting it in something just that visualization alone seems to really help so yeah i think the banishing jar has been like the greatest thing i've done lately but i do a lot of you know prompted journaling and stuff um you know you get really in your feels later in the day and kind of do that and and again it just kind of feels like a release of i have all of this stuff i'm going to get it out of me and put it somewhere else or gift it to the universe or, you know, somebody else take this crap. <laughs> <laughs> That's neat. Do you have any family history with witchcraft? Yeah, I was thinking about that a lot. So I'm like, I don't, kind of, I don't know that my mom would really consider herself a witch as far as the label of a witch. She's definitely very pagan, nature oriented, um, pretty much everything that a witch is without a lot of the, I guess, typical practices. So she's always been very open-minded and supportive of all of us kind of deciding whatever our path is and what's right for us. So yeah, I guess it was just, that's about it. Otherwise, we didn't really have any upbringing that was religious per se. So no rituals or holidays? Not, not distinctly pagan. Yeah, um, not like really until later in life. Government holidays, bank holidays. <laughs> yeah, we just just kind of did like the normal thing to be a, a normal family. Not really a whole lot until I was an adult. When I got more into it, then then it was like, oh, okay, well, you know, I'll do that with you. And um, my sister's kind of the same way. Just she's kind of a light bloomer getting into it now. And yeah, so I mean, now we share a lot of things and participate in different holidays and stuff, especially since I'm raising my kids this way. So yeah, now it's become a family affair. But before it was kind of like this awkward space of, you know, what are we supposed to do? I was really excited about it because I <laughs> I felt like, oh, I inspired that. And I think a lot of it really <laughs> is my Instagram because my sister was on it constantly. And she's like, this is great. This looks fun. I'm going to do that too. And you do have a gorgeous Instagram. Well, thanks. Yeah, I definitely didn't ever try for like the aesthetic thing. I feel like that's kind of exhausting to make everything look the same or do like a certain pattern or order. It's, you know, I just kind of created it to share things with people and learn things from other people and just have kind of a sense of community. Not really like, here, look at these pretty pictures and they're all well, the same a, and perfectly posed. You have a good eye because your pictures are all pretty. <laughs> I try, but but like I said, there's there's not really like a specific theme or look that I'm going for. It's just, you know, things happen and if something happens that day or I'm thinking really hard about a topic, like, all right, well, this is what I'm gonna share today. I try to keep it low stress. I don't want it to feel like a job because oh gosh, yeah. Can you describe your first experience with witchcraft when you thought, hey, this is witchcraft? <laughs> I would say it was probably when Ouija boards were really popular. Yeah. Um, so, you know, <laughs> right there in the 90s in that sweet spot. <laughs> so I think it was probably the first 
kind of scary experience. Definitely some weird things happened. She took that board, threw it in her closet. I don't think she ever touched it again, but um, her they- closet opened. <laughs> Nope. And it was, yeah, I mean, just all these like teenage girls just losing their minds about it. And I mean, that thing went right in the trash and never again. Um, But that was probably the first time that I was like, wow, this is, you have to be kind of careful with this. This isn't just like stuff to be taken lightly. It's not Um, a game by Hasbro. (laughs) (laughs) No. And I still, I mean, when I see him in the store, I'm like, dude. These should have a warning label or something, but I think there's so many people that don't buy into it. And I don't know necessarily that she even did at that point, but I guess you have to have your first traumatic experience to understand (laughs) that you're actually dabbling in something real. I'm trying not to have that. (laughs) I'm trying not to have any trauma extra. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we all have enough, right? Just mundane trauma is plenty. (laughs) (laughs) Right? When you said you sort of came into it at 10, what kind of things were you doing? Um, I think that was when I, I think I've kind of always seen things, spirits, stuff like that. Um, But I didn't really, I guess it's one of those things where you think it's normal until you start talking to people and you're like, wait, this doesn't happen to everybody. (laughs) And I think that's about the time that I started sharing like things that I was seeing around the house and just things I'm experiencing and like, I don't know, like I think now much later kind of reflecting on some little conversations and things I was hearing in my room that I, at the time I thought it was, yeah. (laughs) So I thought it was, um, gnomes it's so funny it's like the joke of the family they always talk about that time when I was crazy and I saw gnomes in my room but I think it was actually the fae and I didn't know that for a long time and that really wasn't something I mean at this point you'd have to go to the library and like research stuff we didn't have internet you know so so I didn't know what was happening um or what I was experiencing but sharing those kinds of things and like hey this is what happened in my room last night it was like well I don't know. I don't think that happens to everybody. (laughs) So that kind of started the, well, you know, maybe it's paranormal or something, something like that. But I I didn't really understand there was a difference in the way I was experiencing my life um, to anybody else until around then. Then I realized, well, this is different. (laughs) This this isn't something I'm going to tell my friend's parents about. So yeah, I think you don't really know until you kind of open that up for a conversation with people and then, you know, they think you're crazy and you need to be institutionalized or have an exorcism or something. But but when that's your experience, you think it's normal. And, and I think that really goes for anything. I mean, if that's how you grow up and that's what you're used to, you think that that happens to everybody. It's weird to think about not having any of it, though, like having none. Everybody has to have something. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think, I think the same thing. I think a lot of people, (laughs) (laughs) a lot of people have experiences or see things. And um, I think just as far as society and depending on where they live, it's, it's not okay to talk about certain things. So I think a lot of it's just repression. I don't, I don't necessarily think that anyone's born special or with like certain abilities in as far as witchcraft and anything that we experience, I think it's just a lot of repression and a lot of people thinking that 
it was just their imagination. It was this, it was, you know, they want to dismiss everything, you know, and yeah, that's where the, we end up with the difference. All the invisible friends. From yes. Childhood. Yes, exactly. It's, I don't think it's imagination. I think we're, we're more in touch with that before it's, I don't know, like beaten, beaten out, out of us. <laughs> exactly. It's, um, because I see that with my kids um, since, you know, they're being raised in, as practitioners of witchcraft and being raised pagan, that these are normal things that we talk about. And it's, it's nurtured, it's allowed. They can say, you know, whatever weird stuff they're feeling or experiencing. And it's never gone away. Um, my oldest, uh, he's almost 14. So you would think at this point, if he was raised in a Judeo-Christian home, he would be not having these kinds of experiences anymore. He's kind of coming into adulthood. Um, but he definitely still says, hey, you know, I saw we had a friend of ours that actually uh, died on our property. And he's like, hey, I, you know, I saw Dan out by the shed. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, let's go talk to him. But it's it has never faded at all because this is normal and we're so accepting and open to these things and talk to them about it without saying, oh, you're, you know, whatever. It was just light. You're seeing things. You're tired. You're whatever. We don't do any of that. So it's, you know, it's amazing to see how that spark can just stay alive. And, and I hope it does forever. Yeah. Imagine how different the world could be. Mm-hmm. I know. That but... makes me really excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just it's hard to find open-minded people anymore and it's it's definitely been a lot different really just relocating to southern Colorado as opposed to up north you wouldn't think it'd be that much of a difference but it's it's definitely much more stifled here so that's tough. That's so weird to think about. Yeah. I mean because it seems like everybody would just it's like more Wild West than, say, Denver, where it's a city. They're just, I would think they would be more like, hey, do what you want. That's cool. What would you say is your best experience with witchcraft? I would say really my best and and my worst are all going to kind of tie into being a seer. Sometimes it's really bad. And and like you said before, sometimes you just like things pop in your head and you have no control over it. So that's kind of the best way to describe how that works. Um, definitely not like a fortune teller can't, you know, it's just whatever. You have no control over it. But I think the best one has been, it's kind of a long story, but part of why I moved here is to have a third kid. And I did. But when we still lived up north, we had two sons. And I never thought I wanted another kid. I didn't think I wanted a daughter, but I kept seeing this little girl with this long curly hair, strawberry blonde. And I, it's like I knew her and mm -hmm. I just kept seeing this girl. And I'm like, man, we like, this is my daughter. I have to, I have to bring her earth side like this. This is my life goal at this point. And we had we're we're just busy, you know. We were both working. We already had two kids. Daycare is outrageous. Um, mm -hmm. So our solution was we're gonna sell our house, quit our jobs, and relocate south to be close to my mom, um, so my mom could help us with our kids. And 
It, it's such a gamble. I was actually just talking to my oldest son about it last night of like, we uprooted our entire lives on this vision that I had of my daughter. And I mean, obviously it worked out perfectly. She's, she's here. She's two long, curly, strawberry blonde hair, exactly the way I saw her. But it was like just this, this vision of something and, you know, to put that much I guess, faith in it that this is what we need to do. Um, I would say that was really the best because now I've kind of seen it through from beginning to end of, yep, it worked out. I was right. (laughs) But I think without that, without having, I guess, enough belief that what I was seeing wasn't just my imagination, it wasn't, you know, anxiety or whatever, but knowing that that was you know, a vision that was given to me and believing in it enough. I, I don't know that I would have my daughter if I didn't, didn't trust that. I love it. <laughs> well, thanks. That's the kind of thing that if some, if you, if you heard, but if the, it's the kind of thing, if you heard somebody describe it, you'd think you're kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think a lot of people would, but I, I think that's kind of the great thing about my family that when I say something and I believe something, I'm always that person now, now in this stage of my life. If I see something or I feel something and have any kind of premonition, I tell people because it's easy after the fact to say, I knew that was going to happen or I knew that's how this was going to go. It's a whole nother thing when you say it ahead of time and it happens, yep. then people are like, okay, when you say stuff, I'm going to listen. <laughs> um, and that was one of them. So I think Ken's starting to do that with me (laughs) yeah it's well and sometimes it's hard people say oh you know you're gonna live a real long life and you know whatever it's always something like way 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 in the future um but a lot of times the things that I have any kind of premonitions about are really fast I mean they either happen that day or like within two weeks and it's it's weird stuff but that's why I immediately say something um, and sometimes like it's hard to kind of distinguish between what is what is a message from the universe and what's just my anxiety. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, sometimes it's hard to to tell the difference because, you know, you can have those intrusive thoughts and it's yeah, it's not always easy to to tell them apart. But if I'm unsure, I say something anyways, just in case. Um, and with some things, I feel like if I say it, I'm. I'm giving someone the opportunity to change it. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I'm saying it, hoping that it happens so that I can be like, no, 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 I told you so. But sometimes here's a, it's here's a protection. A potential future for you. Maybe yeah. change that. <laughs> yeah. For me, it feels like I'm remembering something and I think that has not happened. Oh, wait, it's that. <laughs> yeah. That's well, something that's going to happen. This is a future memory. <laughs> But it's like exactly. only a glimpse. It's not a huge like story. It's just I will see something for one to two seconds that I, I'm in my body experiencing it. It's like mm-hmm. a memory. Yes. And I think that's the part I kind of look for is how real does it feel? Um, and with my daughter, it was like this same kind of image like I could see her hair, I could see what color it was, the texture, whatever, which is weird because I don't have curly hair, neither does my husband. Um, but it was like I'd kind of see her sort of like bouncing away from me. And it was kind of it was the same every time, but it was like, no, I I know this kid. 
And there's such a familiarity about it that, yeah, it's like you're seeing your own memory that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. And that was actually, so my my worst witchcraft experience along the same lines of of being a seer. When I was pregnant with my daughter, we actually had her in Boulder. So we were driving, we were doing that commute twice a week to the doctor From- up there. Oh my God. From Pueblo. <laughs> oh no. So, so it was pretty, pretty late in my pregnancy and um, we were getting ready to go and I just lost it. And I, at this point, it's kind of hard to distinguish these feelings because, you know, super pregnant, hormonal, yeah, hormonal. I'm just like crying. <laughs> but I told my husband that I didn't know if maybe I needed to drive. I felt like we're going to get in an accident. Something's going to happen. Someone's going to get hurt. And he usually drives. So I was like, I don't know, maybe, maybe I need to drive. We need to do something different. I'm, I was so scared. I mean, I was like shaking when we left. I was terrified. And we get into Denver and my dad calls me and he got rear-ended by a semi and he almost died. Collapsed a lot. Um, it was right by the airport. It was at Tower Road in Peoria. It was on the news. It was like a nine car pileup. And he was the first car that got hit. And he just said, you know, here's where I am. So I was close. So I went to the scene of the accident. And yeah, he just said, it's, it's bad. It's really bad. So I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) So I'm like, this, this is what I saw. I didn't realize it wasn't us that we're going to get hurt. It was my dad. And I mean, I stayed at the hospital till I, mean, I think it was probably three or four in the morning when the surgeon came out and said, you know, he's alive. But he, I mean, he shattered his back, his entire back is fused now, but collapsed a lung, tore his aorta. Usually that's fatal, Holy tearing crap. your aorta off your yeah. heart. Yeah. So it was, uh, I mean, a lot, of, he had a bunch of fractures and, you know, my dad's in his 60s. So it was like, wow, I can't. And he was on blood thinners. So we thought for sure he's going to he's going to bleed to death and die. But he didn't. Luckily he made it. He's okay. He's he's still around. Good. <laughs> um yeah. But it was like you know, you you don't want these things to come true, but it was like, wow, I it, and I was so angry at myself for not knowing that it wasn't me. It was him and I should have told him. You know, be careful. Not that he could have prevented it. He was literally just sitting at a red light. But yeah, it was just, it, it was so instant of, wow, I have this feeling I'm freaking out, shaking, crying. I don't want to go to this appointment. And then, you know, that happens just a couple hours later. So it's like, you kind of want to know, but you kind of don't. And <laughs> I don't know what benefit it was to know besides I didn't tell the right person to be careful. I don't know. So it's, sometimes it can be really frustrating to to kind of have these thoughts and and have no control over it. But even now, if I tell my husband, hey, drive careful today, it's like his whole face changes. He's like, why? What did you see? Oh. You know, <laughs> but I'm just yeah. saying bye, honey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it's been it's yeah, it's weird stuff. I actually had the same thing with a, a friend of ours. We went to a kid's birthday party and he was showing everybody his tattoo it was only half finished. It was like half colored in. And 
when we left that day, I I told my husband that I think something's going to happen to him because I keep seeing I keep seeing him dead like on like a table like at a morgue and his tattoo is not finished and he had an appointment to have the rest of it colored in like 2 weeks later. Um but he was he was dead 10 days later and it wasn't finished. So it was it's like weird stuff like that. And this is somebody I had only met like twice. It was just I had this when I looked at it, it was just like, oh, oh, no. Um, so it's it's totally random. I mean, it's not even people that are necessarily close to me, but that's just another another one that I told him right away and then it happened. So that's why when I tell him to drive carefully, he's like, wait, what? <laughs> what did you see? That but. would make me kind of irritated with the universe frankly because could you maybe be a little bit more clear <laughs> yeah and it's yeah i just kind of wish there was a way to like hone in on it or you know just have it be more specific or clear um or if i can't change it maybe not show me <laughs> yeah would... well I and that's where... anxiety i have what? an anxiety disorder i don't want to see anything else exactly and it's yeah that's what's so tough about it is it's like these things freak me out but then you know you get intrusive thoughts about things and then I'm like oh wait is this real is this really gonna happen and you know you try to kind of block out certain thoughts because you're like well man maybe if if I think about it enough is it gonna happen is that's what's going on here did I kill this person (laughs) exactly so I hope not I hope that's not how that works thanks (laughs) oh that's awful (laughs) yeah I see that a lot with my kids now though and it really oh it really freaks me out my middle kid told me the other day he's he's just sitting at the table starts crying like what's going on he's like I just I keep thinking my brother's gonna die and I'm like oh no 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 don't say no but it was like I mean I I really hope that's not true but how seriously he took it that he's just falling apart crying again really hope that's not true but it's you know I don't know rethink plans that you have yes and I think that's why if I feel like someone else is involved or you know I I try to warn people and tell them I mean think I'm crazy that's fine but (laughs) but most of the people because this has happened so many times and it's so specific of what happens and then to see that it does happen I think that a lot of people in my world take it very seriously Um, even if it doesn't pan out maybe they feel like well you know they changed their plans or they did something different and that's why that didn't happen so yeah I mean things like car accidents I definitely try to make someone change their plans like when I thought well maybe I should drive because that's different maybe the outcome will be different and I don't know sometimes is is that why I I get these premonitions to have an ability to change it I like to think so but but I don't know then there's some things like you know the the guy that died 10 days later I mean I don't know that there's really anything that that could have prevented that but Otherwise, I don't know. What's the point of having premonitions? Like, if if it's not an opportunity for you to change something, to change the outcome, then Maybe why Maybe there no? isn't a point. 
just like why uh, do I have brown hair? Right. Yeah, that's positive. <laughs> yeah, there's Yay no me. point. <laughs> why no do we point exist in at all? <laughs> I'm glad that I brought that into the conversation. <laughs> Ta da! <laughs> what would you say is your biggest motivator in witchcraft? I guess just to be happy, manifesting joy. I think that's just a goal in life. I mean, everybody wants to be happy, right? So that's really, I guess, always the focus and, and the effort is just to enjoy life. I mean, it can get really hard just being busy and kids and working and, and it's not always easy to find time to focus on the things that make you happy. So with my practice, it's even though I don't have a lot of time, I make it a priority because that's, you know, that's where I feel the feels and feel like I'm able to get rid of the bad things and welcome the good things um, and really just spend moments of gratitude for the good things. So, you know, they stay fresh. What would you say were uh, some of the challenges that you've had from people around you? because of which being a witch or witchcraft? Uh, I, I guess that would really only be professionally um, because my family is incredibly supportive and, and part of the lifestyle. But since moving and working in the Springs, I, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm definitely not in the closet about being a witch. I have a witch sticker on my car. And I mean, it's very obvious, I think, when people know me for more than, you know, five minutes. But um, it is it is kind of difficult in my professional life now, um, where before when I worked in Boulder, it was never, never an issue. But I am an executive, so I'm a CFO slash controller. And I think just kind of being in that position, and I have I have four degrees and five professional certifications. Good night. So I'm <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and I went to a Jesuit university. So it's oh. You know, I think that there's kind of this idea that if you're a witch or a practitioner of witchcraft, you're, you know, you have like a, an apothecary or, you know, I don't know, a little candle shop or something. They don't, they don't see people like that being an executive in <laughs> really in the industry. So usually it's people are kind of, I guess, shocked that, you know, me and my personality and my lifestyle and how I actually am is wildly different than who I am as a professional. And because I like to say I'm a chameleon. I mean, nobody knows. Nobody knows that like my entire body's tattooed. You, you wouldn't know if you meet me professionally. I'm a completely different person. But I kind of have to be, you know, just to have that respect of, you know, I, I worked really hard and, you know, to get here. And I have my education. I have all these things to support where I am. But if you tell people you're part of really any lifestyle that they don't agree with, it kind of discredits you. Mm -hmm. um, and I found that even at a previous job with uh, people who were in same-sex relationships were very, I mean, they were treated completely different, like, you know, like they weren't worthy. And it, it's really because there's such a concentration of these devout Christians in the area that it's like any little thing that doesn't align it just knocks you down a few pegs. So it's been kind of a weird song and dance to to 
be open and okay with who I am and having some people know that without, you know, losing my, I guess, position where I work to be. So I think the worst thing is just kind of the lack of education about what it is. And it's, it's such a hard thing to describe to someone who doesn't know it. They just seem to automatically go to, Oh, you worship the devil. I don't even believe in the devil. (laughs) That is a Judeo Christian idea. And I don't subscribe to that at all. I mean, I don't know how they mix those so bad. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, well, I always say I, I don't believe in him because I don't believe in his biggest competition. So it wouldn't be right to just take half of that story and buy into that. But yeah, I think that's the hardest thing. There's just, you know, the rumor mill and nobody does their research and understands what it is. And, you know, it's just, oh, you worship the devil. <laughs> well, <laughs> no. <laughs> and I giggle every time someone says it because it's ridiculous and then they get mad and then we just have to change the subject. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think they've kind of already made up their mind about certain things. So it's exactly. it's wasted breath to try to explain to someone. So, yeah, I don't even bother anymore. That was like my dad's best advice ever is never argue with an idiot. And I'm so, not saying they're all idiots, one. but that's like a hard one for me. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like that. um, Whatever's going around is like, yeah, two plus two is five. Yep, you're absolutely right. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's not worth it. It's not worth the argument. You're never going to change anyone's mind, especially, you know, grown adults. They just think what they're going to think and that's fine. But, oh, you know, the whole Christian idea of, you know, you're supposed to love everybody and, you know, it's very selective, I've found. But yeah. Yeah. I went to vacation Bible school and I learned what. I thought Christianity was. And then I got out of vacation Bible school and went to regular church. And it's something totally different. If everybody walked the walk of what we learn in vacation Bible school, that'd be great. Right. People are great. It's when you get into grown up church (laughs) with finger quotes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Finger quotes. That everybody starts wanting to kill each other. (laughs) Mm hmm. Yeah, it's yeah, it's really wild. I mean, it, it it seems in my experience, it's more something for people to hide behind to feel like, I don't know, justified or, or safe, safe from the scary people. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, well, you know, if if you say one thing and you live differently, doesn't your God see that? I mean, I don't know. It seems like it's almost more of a for acceptance of other people in society, which I find totally strange. I don't really care what people think about me. Um, but that's yeah, they seem pretty fixated on on the opinions of others and find some value in that. So it seems like witches have less care. <laughs> yeah. As far as that goes. We just it- care less. Yeah. And you almost have to, I mean, you just to be in this lifestyle with, like I said, so many people thinking, oh, you worship the devil, you whatever. I mean, you, you kind of get thick skin about it of, well, okay, whatever, (laughs) you know, your opinion doesn't change my practice or how I feel about it. And you're not going to change my mind. So, you know, I think we're more, you do you and I'll do me and that's okay. And we seem to feel that way. It's really tough for other religions to kind of get behind that idea of, just let people do what makes them happy. Don't worry about it. It's not hurting you. 
I mean, it can, but. <laughs> if you make us angry. If you want to be in a jar, I can put you in a jar. <laughs> what would you say your biggest struggle is when it comes to witchcraft? Uh, yeah, I would say just the time, just finding the time. Um, but I, I do make it a priority. Um, I definitely, it's such a, a personal thing for me that I, I've never really bought into there being a right or wrong way. I just kind of do what feels right to me. And I think a lot of the practices that I do alone are probably more similar to a meditation you know, I feel it, I experience something and that's, that's what I'm trying to do. So it doesn't really matter if, uh, you know, I don't have exactly the right tools for the job. I, I don't really believe in that. I, I think it's just, it's so much more about headspace. And, um, so I think I've gotten really comfortable in the way I practice. So really my biggest obstacle is just time. That sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> well, it takes a, like a lifetime to get there, <laughs> but, but you just kind of have to let go of the ideas of, you know, you have to do it this certain way and say it exactly like this. And I, I don't think that's true. I think you just have to, you know, be willing to open yourself up to whatever you're trying to do. And it, it you know, it'll, it'll come naturally at, at some point. Is there anything that makes you angry about the witch community? I know a lot of people get really fired up about this one. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's but, a fun thing to talk about. <laughs> I think, like, I don't know. I feel like I may be one of the only people that hasn't had horrible backlash on my page. I haven't had, you know, the angry mob come at me and anyone try to say, like, I'm doing something wrong or someone who commented something wrong. I haven't experienced any of that, but I do see it on other pages. So I think kind of the idea of anyone feeling like they're an expert is that makes me crazy. Nobody's an expert. You can practice every day of your life and be 100 years old. You can still, you still have things to learn and things to perfect. And just the practice is so vast that nobody can be an expert in it. it there's too much to know and there's too many different branches of things like Wiccan beliefs aren't necessarily part of pagan beliefs and you can both be witches and not agree on, you know, a law of three or, you know, karma or, and, you know, things like that. It's, we're not all going to agree. So how can you say you're an expert in something? And the idea of it, I guess, being trendy now, there is the resurgence. I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I th actually, I think that's a great thing. I, I wish everybody was a witch. So... <laughs> Yeah, I think it's it makes it, it validates us more. And and I love that. I love that it's trendy, but I just hope that people are doing their research and not just doing it because they think it's cool, because that kind of discredits it. So, yeah, I think just the. I don't know, just the the disrespect I see some places. Yeah, that makes me angry and and being trendy just to just to say it without actually believing it is that's kind of hurtful but i think that's really in any religion when someone says they're they're some way and they're not but then they live totally different it just kind of it ruins it for everyone yeah so 
Is there anything you wished was discussed more in the Wish community? I guess the idea of not having all the exact tools for the job, you know, as far as herbs and stones and, you know, just the rigorous idea there. I I don't think that that's as important. And I think sometimes people focus on the wrong things. Like, oh, no, you can't use this sage. You have to use that. And that's, you know, I just recently made a, a post about that. Of you don't have to use white sage for everything. There are alternatives. There are always alternatives to everything. And I think people fixate on that too much. So I, I wish that was more widely shared that you can use what you have and that's okay. I don't even have an altar that I use. So everybody's always said, well, how do you, how was your altar set up? How should I set up my altar for this spell? I don't even use one. So I just back out of those conversations. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I mean, I have, I have several around my house, but I don't really, it's not the space that I practice in. It's more yeah. for here's a little offering, whatever, but a lot of the times if I'm I'm actually doing some kind of spell work, I'm sitting on the floor in my room. <laughs> so it's not, yeah, it's just wherever you have time and whatever works. And I, I think for me, it's more about having a quiet space. Um, my main altar is like right in the open in my house, um, which is kind of weird when new people come over. They're like, wow, ooh, ooh, you got all these like <laughs> dead things out here. What the heck? Yeah, so, that's what mine looks like too. <laughs> Well, and that's, you know, a lot of people post these really pretty, like, oh, I have all these pretty stones and candles. And I'm like, well, I have this dried lizard and this dead bird, and, you know, some. I have a mouse in a jar. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I have, found I have... That, that weird empty mouse hole outside by the shed and I put it in a jar. Oh, yeah. I have, yeah, I have <laughs> little birds and I have a whole jar of just dried lizards that I found on the property. Oh. and. <laughs> so, that's goals a jar of dried lizards it's goals <laughs> uh, it's, it's fun stuff um and then my cat i i have my cat which i think is probably the most uncomfortable thing for people um like i just have my whole cat's bones and stuff in a in a box Aww. um but that's my familiar so um and i had buried her at our old house we lived at our old house up north for 10 years i buried her under the willow there and when we moved, of course, my husband thinks this is totally normal. But when we moved, I was like, nope, I have to take her. I yeah. have to take her. And so the day of closing, I had to tell the new owners like, hey, you're going to see some disturbed dirt under that willow. I dug up my cat. <laughs> I mean, it was like crickets in the Did room. And I'm like, I don't to? care. <laughs> well, <laughs> they were. <laughs> yeah, I, they I think the blood left their face, but they, they were tried not to go. Oh. <laughs> I, oh yeah i think they did just they did not to know how to respond <laughs> oh yeah they were definitely like fix your face fix your face oh, oh my good god for them good for them <laughs> so it was just kind of like you know this they're exchanging looks without words and i'm like well think i'm weird i don't care it's not we're not friends we don't ever have to see each other again but it was just <laughs> i would have regretted that so bad if i didn't take her yeah. with me um so yeah, I kind of take her out, put her, you know, put her head on top of the box. And <laughs> have you seen I'm those really things. nice apothecary jars that they put the bones in and the, the the skull on top? I think that is so pretty. I have, yeah, oh, I know. Like I've... with dried flowers inside for color pops, I would love that. Yeah, 
Yeah, I had actually, when I first moved down here, that was, I think, one of the first things I contacted you about is um, like wanting to, I don't know, make some kind of jewelry or something with like a jawbone or or something. Um, I still haven't done anything because I just feel like, oh, I don't know if I should like separate her bones. I, I don't know. know. <laughs> so I struggle with it and I worry like if I break something or lose something because I spent hours out there kind of putting her body back together to make sure I got it all. <laughs> like, okay, I have one leg bone too, you know, just trying to make sure I got all the pieces. So I'd feel kind of weird separating her now, but people who aren't into it are going to be creeped out. But I think that is so sweet. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I know that's, it makes a that lot of people so uncomfortable, sweet. but <laughs> and when my sister was here, she lives in California. Um, when she was here visiting, I'm like, Oh, I have to show you something. I open the box. I'm like, it's peaches. And she's like, oh, <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> like she she kept a little distance because, I mean, that was our cat when, you know, we got her when I was really young and I took her with when I moved out. But yeah, so she's like, geez, it's so there's kind of, a, I guess, a difference of like having an altar this aesthetics and having an altar that's, you know, things that are meaningful to you. to you yeah that's so, what mine is yeah it's kind mine's of real mine, i think mine are more like shrines yeah yeah and i definitely change it seasonally colors and stones and things but <laughs> i almost have to because i end up collecting things and it, it uh, you know it ends up where i don't even have any room to set anything else down so i kind of have to redo it <laughs> give it a little revamp i know that life <laughs> yeah yeah. Who would you say are the big, the three biggest influences on your practice? Gosh, I feel like it's just such a, like a standard answer, but I would say probably my husband, my mom, and my kids. My husband more so because he, he takes it very seriously. And there's just a massive amount of respect there that you know, finding somebody who doesn't judge you for what you do, but not only doesn't judge you, but isn't, you know, sitting back there like, oh, what, what are you doing? You're a weirdo. And, you know, it's there's never any amount of judgment. He definitely, I mean, he takes it very seriously. He sees how, you know, like having premonitions, how that actually pans out. And I guess how healing and impactful it can be just for me um, and certain things I do. Like he tries to make, time for me to be able to have my practice because you know he sees the aftermath is is how helpful it is for me so that's huge it's not just acceptance but it's fully supportive and and i think that's that's really important and with my kids just seeing seeing them kind of grow in this is is such a beautiful thing because this is what I had in mind when I had them. And it's, you know, I hoped that it would look like this. And it's easy to say when kids are really young, like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm raising them in witchcraft and pagan, and this is great. And they're like six months old, and you don't know how that's going to work out. But like I said, with my oldest being almost 14, it's, yeah, I've, I've kind of seen how how beautiful this can be. And just keeping the magic alive and just how open-minded they are and how loving and respectful and 
yeah, they just, they don't have a lot of the bias that their schoolmates do. And, and that was really the goal. I just wanted to, you know, raise good people. And, and I think this is, this is the way, at least for me. So, I mean, that's been huge. It's a huge motivator just seeing how, how great that can turn out. So. That makes me super happy. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, it, it's a motivator to keep going because you kind of see that this is the difference it makes. This is, you know, my kids aren't like, you know, they hear about someone being gay and they're not like, Oh, you're going to hell. They don't even know what that is. Um, (laughs) which I, I think a lot of people find really strange that I, I will answer their questions about any religion. Like I said, I went to a Judeo Christian university. It was a Jesuit university and I had to learn about, all Western religions, all Eastern religions. That was just part of the curriculum. Huh. And I mean, I'm not an expert in anything, but I, but I know Still the basics. I got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, I think it's important to kind of educate yourself about different things so you can see those differences and not just, you know, know one thing. So if they ask questions about other religions, I am happy to answer them. I'm not telling them they have to be in this path. They can choose whatever's right for them. Um, so when they have questions, great. If I can answer it, I will. But it's kind of beautiful to see that they're not like, oh, I have to be Christian. Like I have to, you know, hell is totally real. And just seeing that they know that they have options is like, what a relief that must be. (laughs) And I'm sure a lot of other people wish that they had that kind of acceptance and flexibility and freedom to just be whatever feels right to them. So that's even though they don't even know it. Yeah. And I, uh, yeah, I think my oldest, like just, you know, talking more with friends and stuff, he sees the difference, but my middle kid, he's like, it's so funny. We were driving down I-25 yesterday. And I don't know if you know, um, a little South of fountain, there's like a huge cross up on the hill. Yes. And they light it up at night. (laughs) Yeah. I drive by it every day, twice a day. But my middle kid, he's like, what is that? What's on the hill? We're like a cross. He's like, oh, and I'm like, do you know what? Do you know what that is? No. Eh, that's okay. <laughs> if you have questions, you can you can ask. But it's like... It's I, something really terrifying <laughs> that people did to someone else and then they celebrate it. <laughs> right. Yes, yes. It's a story about murder. Um, so. And then they all wear it on their necks. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. What is that a T? No. <laughs> but, it is you now, know. son. <laughs> <laughs> it's whatever you want it to be. But I mean, for me, I don't, I don't feel like, you know, I haven't forced him into this box, but just seeing that it's like a confirmation that he really is a blank slate and that's what I wanted. And, you know, just for them to make their own choices. And so I guess seeing those things, it's, it's a huge motivator to keep going and keep doing this. And a lot of it was really kind of my upbringing too, that I had the freedom to make a choice of what was right for me. Not quite, I guess, to the extent that I'm doing for my kids, but that's where, you know, I wanted to to make sure it wasn't like, hey, you are either a witch or you're Catholic. Those are your choices. No, <laughs> you know, you can be anything you want to be. Um, so it's... But yeah, my dad, my dad grew up Catholic and he went to Catholic school. Oh he was an gosh. altar boy. But so we knew about Catholicism a lot. He's, I would not say he's Catholic. I don't think he really buys into any of that. He actually thinks it's more like a cult, but well, he used to describe it as like a religion. (laughs) And 
and it, really he's not wrong i mean a lot of religions kind of started Called as like out. a or yeah like a like a government it, just a way to control people oh yeah 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 and so that's kind of how he always described it is you know there's some there's a little ounce of truth of there being you know a higher power and and a purpose in life and good values of loving people but then the rest of it is literally just to control you so and he always felt that way so it was like you know that's that's the part people miss is you're just being controlled they're telling you you can't love a certain person because of what their body is or you know that's always seemed super wild to me uh <laughs> people are people it's like just because someone has some issue with people being gay doesn't mean yeah let's make a whole religion and tell you how you're going to hell for this because what kind of a crisis does that cause for people who are born that way you know and then they think oh well i was just born just to go to hell that's not fair <laughs> yeah but we all were according to the bible yeah yeah in the bible i think whatever <laughs> <laughs> and I always thought it's whoever whoever translated it, it's their their bias is in it. And yeah, you know, okay, King James obviously, you know, had whatever his feelings were. He's mad about stuff. <laughs> right? And there's just so many things that there's not actually yeah, it's just interpretation. There's so many ideas that are not actually found in the Bible, not as clearly as people state them to be, but I don't know. It's that that whole can of worms that's a whole other thing. <laughs> okay third person <laughs> go off on a tangent here um definitely my mom and though i don't really see her like she participates in spell work with me if i do it but i don't think she really has her own kind of separate practice um but she like i said before is very pagan values nature centric i guess of the idea that we're all connected and you know that people aren't more valuable than anything else on earth that there's this common thread and she is definitely a believer in spirits being around i mean she sees them too this is something that my my whole life that we've been able to talk about you know the spirits that we're seeing or conversations that we've had and and that's normal and it's always been normal and I think that's not something a lot of parents do, but I mean, that was, that was huge in just finding my security in this. I mean, I'm very secure in it. And I, I think a lot of that is because of her, because she was never like, oh, you're crazy. You're seeing things. She's like, oh, well, I saw them too. <laughs> and yeah, just a massive amount of acceptance and, and support. So, and it was really more of her. I guess allowing us to all of us kids to to make our our own decision of of what path was right for us and just loving us no matter what and um really just never never being judgy really about anything like me and my sister are so heavily tattooed and I know at first she's like <laughs> you know I made this canvas for you not for you to you know <laughs> do that but but now it's like, oh, you know, whatever. I mean, she never has anything negative to say about it. And and my dad's kind of the same way. He was always against tattoos. And then me and my sister are just like, I mean, we're just like covered. But he's like, oh, that's pretty. And that's Aww. it. So it's it's kind of nice to to have the support to just be 
whatever you want to be. So, yeah. That's nice. Yeah. Too bad everyone doesn't have that. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't. I think it's really unusual to really have a supportive family and and have that support system, especially in something like this. So, yeah, I definitely never thought that that was the standard. I, I knew that that was kind of exceptional. So, Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about that I didn't bring up? Oh, celebrating a holiday. You know mm. what today is? Yes. Lunasad. Yes. <laughs> or Lamas or whatever people want. I don't say Lamas. That's Christian. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, or Catholic oh, or I something. Was... Oh, so the favorite Samhain, obviously. I feel like everybody says Samhain, but... but... I think a lot of people don't know that that originated in Ireland. And part of my pilgrimage to Ireland, I went to the Cave of Cats. And that's where Samhain was born. And I almost just shrieked Cave of Cats because that is exciting to me. What? Yes, <laughs> it is. It is unreal. So, <laughs> I, yeah, I, my poor husband, I drug him all over Ireland just to like touch rocks and stuff. <laughs> Um, we went I, to like, I would do that. <laughs> he's like, Oh my gosh, another rock. And it was, he knows, like, I have to sit there, I have to we touch have to it, touch I have, it. To, feel it. have to hug this. <laughs> yes. And it's so cool because a lot of them, in like the, you know, burials and stuff, they're actually in people's yards in like farmland oh. and stuff. Um, but with Ireland, you are allowed to, when there's historical relics in someone's yard, you are allowed to go out and it it belongs to the people. The history belongs to the people. So you can't, it's not trespassing, I guess is my point. You can go out onto their property and explore these things and that's totally normal and totally okay. And I had to try to explain to him, no, it's fine. We can jump this fence. It's okay. That would give me so <laughs> but, much anxiety. But I, oh yeah, he was just, you know, he was along for the ride. But I'd go shot. to like, oh, no. in Ireland, I don't, I don't think so. But. Yeah, I don't think they have guns over there, but... <laughs> I remember from the South. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I think what he was worried about is here, you know, you put a toe on someone's yard, you're going to get murdered. So <laughs> we'd go out to these burials and I'd have to like lay under the rock and, you know, I was just, oh, I loved it. I was just lapping it up. And we went to the Cave of Cats and it's actually, it's really hard to find information about where it is. Eventually we did find it, but we were walking around in all this fields of sheep shit and we were just like filthy (laughs) and finally found it. And I mean, I am not really, I, I don't get spooked easily. I'm not afraid of things. I mean, I go to every haunted place there is and I'm like the person that they're shoving down these mystery hallways to see what's down there. And I'm totally okay with that. I feel like it's my life goal to be the first person killed by a ghost. So <laughs> I <laughs> I feel like I almost put myself in these situations. So I knew I would feel something, but just knowing that most of the world is is celebrating this holiday and that it was born right here. That was such a profound moment for me. And I have never been so scared in my life. I just like, all right, I'm going to walk into this cave and didn't have a light or anything. And it was oh, just, no. I mean, the feeling was 
unreal. And it wasn't just me. My husband felt it too. And he's usually not that way. I mean, he's he's a believer in the paranormal and things like that, but not not to the point that he usually, you know, physically feels something. And he only took a couple steps in and then was like, nope, I'll, I'll be right here. <laughs> you know, I'll watch you. You do whatever you need to do. But yeah, it's and I don't think it was all good. And I think that was kind of, you know, the idea that these things, these cats came flying out of this cave because it's it's a portal to the underworld. It's not necessarily like good things down there, but that was I would recommend anyone going there. I mean, even if you don't know the whole history and the story, there's no way you can go in that and not feel something. Are you sending somebody as a sacrifice? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Well, I mean, if you're in Ireland, it's (laughs) really, it was, I mean, there's a lot of beautiful things to see, but that just the emotions of that and the feeling of that is just, I mean, it's so burned. Oh, it's, it's incredible, but it's just, yeah, it's absolutely like burned in, in my memory, very photographic and yeah. So that's, (laughs) so it's not just, oh yeah, let's celebrate Samhain because that's trendy and cool. And that's like the witch's holiday. See, I don't, I don't even have a sweet tooth. So that's not even what a thing. I don't, (laughs) I don't understand you in any way. (laughs) Oh yeah. But it's. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a big part of it. But, you know, there's definitely a lot of, I guess, attachment to the dead. And, you know, we're those people that will have a, you know, birthday party or something and just like start talking to the dead. Not necessarily that like we see them sitting there and they're responding, but just we're in very case. inclusive of the dead. And yeah, yeah, just in case, you know, just I guess it. Uh, we think they're still here with us, right? You know, we feel things sometimes, we see things sometimes. So why not include them in things that we do? And I think that's the better part of that holiday is just the inclusion of the dead. So, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Who would you like to see on the show? Oh, yeah, I thought about that a lot. So I'm like, I feel so out of touch with like the greater witch community. <laughs> I feel like everyone that I interact with and see are are just just people. Um, well, everybody's guess, just people. Well, yeah, I guess not. You know, people that everybody knows well. I mean, you should put yourself on your own show. I don't know how to interview myself. <laughs> I, think, I thought about doing it and I don't know how. I can't. Uh, well, I'll just go veering off. It'll end up being about pie. Or a, a, about the cat. I think, um, yeah, it's kind of hard to sift through and find people that are, I don't want to say more on like the the dark side, but like. You know, people that would have like dead animals in their altar and stuff. Um, but I, <laughs> I just remember... say that I want you to have on people who would have dead animals on their altar. <laughs> yes, that. Um, <laughs> but there's a there's a girl in in Texas. It's um, Vervain and the Roses, and I've been following her for years. But I I remember the first time I was like, 
Yep, she's legit. She's a witch. Um, she had this giant orb weaver spider in her house. The yellow and one. I don't know if it was a yellow one. It was definitely one of those big, big bottom boys. Mm. Um, <laughs> but it was just in the corner of one of her rooms and and she left it. And and it just had this huge web and and she just let it live there. And I was like, that, that is OG. That's legit. <laughs> like you just let this giant spider have a little home inside your house. Didn't take it out, didn't kill it, you know. So it was I, I think that that kind of aesthetic and that that kind of devotion to, you know, the weird stuff. So <laughs> I just was like, oh, this I love her. Um, but she, she's about to release another book, but she wrote a book all about runes. And I think that's one of those things that isn't very well researched. Yeah. Really of anything I've seen, you know, tarot is, well, I mean, tarot is complicated, but it's, there's always like this common agreement of what things are and what they mean. And runes are tough. I mean, everybody calls them different names and they don't, you know, it's just, it's kind of hard to to really pin that down but i feel like her book was really well researched compared to the other ones i've read um so i yeah i just i feel like she's a little bit more legitimately in that in that world than than a lot of other people so but i mean she's not like an influencer or anything just a just a witch i would like you to recommend something to listeners anything at all it doesn't have to be witch related or whatever it can be anything like a a practice a thought snacks (laughs) snacks a place to visit whatever sounds well now obviously cave of cats so (laughs) definitely i don't know i feel like all my recommendations would be travel um and that's been i guess a, a big part of my shadow work lately too is is realizing that the best moments of my life were having experiences and they don't necessarily have to be expensive and or you know anything like that but i wish people would prioritize experiencing life over anything so just you know that's an amazing recommendation yeah i think it's it's completely overlooked and you know people just kind of get stuck in in their daily life and and get unhappy and don't know why. And I I think I was one of those people of like, why am I such a Debbie Downer? Like, why do I hate my life when I can take a step back and say, it's, you know, I'm really lucky in a lot of ways. Why am I so miserable? And, you know, I guess because of COVID and everything, we couldn't travel for a long time. We really couldn't do anything. And now that I've made it a priority to just get out and do things, even if it's just going camping for the weekend or, you know, going to whatever concert now that there's concerts again, having those experiences, you're kind of out of your day-to-day life. And in those moments, you don't have to worry about all this other stuff. And, you know, it's, you're actually just genuinely having an experience that lights you up. And, and I I think that's the best self-care. It's way better than a bubble bath for me. I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but that's my self-care. So I think everybody's not okay right now. So, (laughs) so (laughs) I mean, for so many reasons, it just seems like it's had a ripple effect. It's not just, you know, being stuck in your house. It's, 
it's just such a ripple effect of just this Someone, misery. Everyone has to face the shit because they can't get away from it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, and not, not having an escape, I guess it didn't really help people, you know, kind of seeing all those problems surfacing, but it's, it's so important. I mean, we can't all be depressed at the same time. So it's, I don't know. It's been really profound for me. It's been really life-changing to kind of get back into just having beautiful experiences. And and some of them are kind of, you know, like I just climbed Mount Albert alone um, for my that. birthday. That looked, that's one of the pictures people need to go find your Instagram to look at. The last thing I would ask of you is to tell me a story. I have never climbed a 14er before. I'm not, I don't want to say I'm like, I think I'm out of shape, but I don't, I'm not an athlete. I'm, I'm just a mom of three. And, um, that was a really big deal for me to do just to show myself that I, I could do it last year. I'm actually only, I think 10 or 11 months out from having double hip surgery. I had both sides of my hip, um, completely reconstructed and, Holy crap. So, yeah, it was something I lived with just debilitating pain for 10 or 15 years. And um, I had my labrum re reconstructed. So it's all kind of metal wire and stuff now. But I wouldn't have been able to walk half a mile before without limping and crying. So to hike a 14er and go 19 miles was just, I mean, I'll never forget that. And and I say it was a beautiful experience, even though I, I mean, I felt like I was going to die. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was very hard. It wasn't just tra-la-la, but, but I needed that. I needed that so much. And, and it's things like that. Like that didn't, I mean, that didn't cost anything. I just, you know, I was camping and I'm like, bye-bye. I'm going to go hike. <laughs> and, and it was really, I think it really changed my life. And, and I still feel that way because it was just, yeah, just, hey. Hard things don't necessarily have to kill you. You can survive them if you choose to survive. And that's kind of where, like, I, I think the biggest lesson in that for me was how much I'm in control of my own suffering. Um, it's a choice. Holy moly, you need to write that down. Oh, my God, I need to write that down. <laughs> yeah, well, because, you know, the last two years, I mean, for a variety of reasons that, you know, a lot of them I'm I'm really not even allowed to to speak of, but it's, it's been the hardest two years of my life. And I think being on that mountain, really, it was, man, you know, this is suffering. My feet are bruised. They're bleeding. They're peeling. This is suffering. All this emotional crap is just me allowing someone to hurt me. And, and I need to take that away. I need to take that power away from other people in situations that I can't control and say, no, this is not going to make me suffer because I've seen suffering. <laughs> So, yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> so I would recommend everyone go. No, I can't recommend going on a solo hike. That was actually really dangerous, and I probably shouldn't have done that. But but again, that is one of those things that I felt so strongly that I knew I was going to be okay. Yeah. Otherwise, I wouldn't have gone. And And I trust those gut feelings that I know when something's going to be okay. And that's one of those experiences I had with all three of my kids. I, for different reasons each time, I, you know, had complicated pregnancies and, and wasn't sure if, you know, my kids were going to make it, but I knew, I knew different. 
And I trusted that and I went with that and I was right. So yeah, so I can't recommend anybody do something crazy and wild and dangerous and reckless like that unless you know you're going to be okay. Because, you know, I'm just out there in the woods with nothing but a, you know, granola bar and some water and I could have easily run into a bear or something, but I didn't, luckily. So. Well, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I will see you on the Instagrams. All right. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Your Average Witch. You can find us all around the internet on Instagram at Your Average Witch Podcast, Twitter at Average Witch Pod, Facebook at Facebook.com slash Your Average Witch Podcast, at Your Average Witch Podcast.com, and at your favorite podcast service. Want to help the podcast grow? Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You just might hear your review read at the end of the next episode. If you'd like to recommend someone for the podcast, like to be on it yourself, or if you'd like to advertise on the podcast, send an email to youraveragewitchpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the moon changes. Moon changes.